0: If you have your Bibles, open them to Malachi chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 17 and work our way well into chapter 3. And as you guys are opening your Bibles or your phone apps to Malachi 2, let me tell you the story to set up where we're going today. Uh, when I was in college, I went to Baylor University. Uh, I, uh, took, I, Baylor makes you take all these, like, classes to help you become really well-rounded. Like, so I had to take theater appreciation as if I'm ever going to go to anything other than a movie theater, right? Uh, So, so it's this theater appreciation class, and me and a couple of my buddies took this class together, sat by each other, all this stuff. Um, Well, we had this one test early on, and, you know, I'm studying, I'm having to learn all this stuff about, you know, theater stuff, like people performing on a stage, all this stuff, right? I'm not a very, I'm not good at theater experiences, you should just know, because in the audience I'm cringing, waiting for them to mess up, and they never do, but I'm just always afraid if they do that, I'm gonna feel so terrible, and so it's hard for me to be in that dynamic, right? So I'm, I'm learning all this stuff with my buddies, and we go take the test, and I'm sitting down, my buddy's sitting right next to me, and I'm halfway through the test. It's multiple choice, right? And I get through, and I look over, and my buddy is cheating off me. Like, he's just, he, I can tell, like, I would circle B, and I would wait and kind of slyly look over, and he'd go B. And I'm like, okay, next question, C. He was waiting to see how I was going to answer, right? And so I'm like, oh, whatever. Like, okay, whatever. I'm like, we're going to take this test. Anyway, so we took the test. I got up to, you know, it was... Not inconspicuous at all, right? Uh, I get up, and I turn in the test, he gets up and turns in his test, right, we go on, okay. So we get our test back, uh, like, I don't know, a couple weeks later. This is still like in the, in the, you know, stone age where he actually filled out paper tests and turned them in and they graded them by hand. Do they still do that in college? I don't know. Okay, oh, that happen? Okay, good, I don't feel so old. Anyway, so we get our test back, I get a B, he gets an A, right? same test. I I know he answered everything the way I answered it. I get a B, he gets an A. And in that moment, I'm thinking two things. Number one, that's so not fair. He cheated off me and got a better grade. There is no justice in the world, right? Like this is just so unfair that I have to take theater arts in the first place, but secondarily that I got a B on this test and my friend got an A and he cheated off me. And then as time went on, I went to my professor and just was like, hey, what's the deal? What did I miss? And he was really nonspecific about why he get, chose to give me that grade. Like, I would ask him specific things on the, on the test, and he wouldn't talk about it. He, would just rubber it. he was this, like, real snarly old man who just was real weird, and I was like, okay, you're shifty. Like, I think you're on drugs right now. I'm not sure, right? But um, all his grading was very indiscriminate. He would just kind of lob grades at people and all this stuff. Anyway, um, so... The, the, the second thing I thought after that's not fair that he gets away with that was I remember about halfway through the semester, uh, semester I saw my professor walking across campus and I was like, I hope something really terrible happens to that guy, right? Like I just hope like some student is running and just runs him over and like knocks him into a brick wall and he has like breaks his hip or something, right? I'm just wishing all these horrible things on him because... I'm thinking it's it's just, just there's no justice in the world this guy's unfair my friends unfair I, the fact that i have to take this class is just really unfair like ah first world problems right like i hate that i'm getting credit for this class so i can get a degree ah, right um and if you're like me if you're in college or you've been right you've been there in one of those situations right if you haven't you're going into college just know you're going to have those situations they're unfair professors people cheat You find yourself secretly partnering with the Holy Spirit to plan someone's downfall in life, right? You just, you have those moments. And I want to tell the story just to highlight the kind of context that's going on here because Malachi is going to address this issue of unfairness. It is the issue of all issues of unfairness. And it's uh, more simply put like this. Why is there evil and injustice in the world? Right, on some level, whether you're talking about the Holocaust or 9-11 or your theater arts test at some point we're all going to wrestle with this idea why is there evil and injustice in the world and what do we do with this well malachi tells us how we're going to deal with this and he has some very interesting things to say about this and it's probably not the thing you think he's going to say on this and so i want to jump in and see what he says but first i want to invite you to pray with me as we get ready to study god's word Jesus, I pray that you make us teachable, and you'd help us to see all that we need to see um, about the issue of justice. Maybe not everything, but at least get us started uh, somewhere down that road. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, Malachi chapter 2, starting verse 17. Uh, Malachi writes this. Remember, Britt talked about this last week, thought she did an incredible job. Uh, They've just gotten done talking about marriage and how it's unfair that I can't sleep with whoever I want that I have to just stay married and sleep with my wife, right? And Malachi starts here, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. But you say, how have we wearied him? By saying, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delights in them. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? We'll deal with this in a little bit. Verse, uh, chapter 3 begins, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, then the offering of judah and jerusalem will be pleasing to the lord as in the days of old and in former years verse five then i will draw near to you for judgment i will be a swift witness against the sorcerers against the adulterers against those who swear falsely against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages some of you are working at disney going amen right okay and the universal people are like hey wait a second we get on that as well come on The widow and the fatherless against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Wow. (sighs) Guys, we're about to get real philosophical here, okay? So I just want you to just stretch your minds out and get ready. We're going to do a deep dive into the philosophical problem of evil. So let's jump in. What first, what in the world is Malachi talking about? Malachi essentially begins with this statement you are wearying the lord meaning these people are praying and calling out to god potentially a little bit frustrated a little bit angry and they're they're consistently saying the same thing over and over and over and over again you can imagine this if they google at this time it's like people in jerusalem are like why is there suf and it just automatically responds suffering in the world and like oh wow how did google know that it's because so many people are crying out to god in this time period he's just hearing it over and over and over again and he's becoming weary at their complaining he's becoming weary uh, at their prayers he's becoming annoyed with tired of burdened by their lack of understanding about what's going on now I want to be clear on this. God isn't mad because they're asking him hard questions. He's not upset because they're being honest with him. God likes us to be honest in prayer, okay? He, he's okay with that. It's that they've got this hardness of heart. They're they're deaf to what he's saying back to them. They're not aware of what he's trying to teach them in this moment, and he's getting frustrated, and so he's about to speak through the mouth of the prophet Malachi to these people. And he tells us, Malachi does, what it is specifically they asking and here's their response they say wait how have we wearied him like wait wait, how have we wearied the lord right and you can almost hear it's almost something like a california girl no offense california girls um right like a valley girl would be like how have we wearied him okay like i just i don't even understand like what's going on right that's how i think the hebrew reads how have we wearied him and malachi responds by saying this. They're making a claim here. It seems like everyone who does evil is good in the sight of God. Meaning everyone who I know is evil, God is looking and saying their life is so good. That doesn't seem fair. Why are all these people who are doing such horrendous evil in the world, meanwhile I'm over here trying to do the right thing and all these evil people are over there doing bad things, why does God look on them and say that they're good? They're claiming that God calls evil good and good evil. We'll talk about that in a little bit. That's the first thing. Or by asking, where is the God of justice? Two questions. Number one, why are these people who are doing evil considered good in the eyes of the Lord? Why is he delighting in them? Why is he giving so much favor? Why is he rewarding them when they're doing evil? That's question one. Question two, why is there just justice in the world period why do we have to live in the world where there's injustice what is god going to do about it he hasn't done anything yet that's question two and in your bulletin i've kind of you know organized them in a a more sticky way and they're really a why question and a when question that are going on so if you're going to write this down uh, you can know this number one the question one is why are evil people being rewarded why are evil people being rewarded and if you're going to fill in the blank Not that it's going to come on the screen yet. You guys don't have to pull that up on PowerPoint. The second question is this. When are evil people, uh, when will evil people be punished? It's the why and the when question. Number one, why are evil people being rewarded? Number two, when will evil people be punished? Now let's start with those questions in turn and deal with the first one. Why are evil people being rewarded? And I want to be very clear. This is not, um, this is not a secondary question to this. So, when you think about the category of questions of injustice, there are a number of them that flow. I want to make sure we're clear on what they're not asking. What they're not asking is, why do um, good things happen to bad people and vice versa? Why do bad things happen to good people, right? Why do good things happen to bad people uh, and bad things happen to good people? Like they're, not, they're not asking that question. But I want to make sure we deal with this question so we can get it out of the way, so we can really focus in on what the question is at hand here. If you're someone who's here today asking the question, why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? The answer that the Bible gives to that question is this idea called common grace, common grace. Common grace is the idea that when God is gracious, okay, when he gives us what we don't deserve, when he is gracious to humanity, he's he's not, um, he doesn't apply it specifically. He provides it generously to everyone. So that his common grace can be known by everyone, almost like a breadcrumb trail that will lead them back to Jesus. It's his evangelistic arm of his being. Um, Or I'll just kind of tell you this story. Uh, When I was in college, again, when I was in college, I had this roommate who was from Columbia. Anybody from Columbia here? No? Okay. Anybody eating a junior Colombian burger? No? Okay, good. It's basically the same thing as living in Columbia. Um, So uh, I had this roommate from Columbia and his... uh, his mom and his grandma came in, which was like the most Colombian arrangement ever. Like, oh, yeah, my family's coming in. Who? Mom and grandma. Okay, cool. And so, and dad, I think. They all came in, and they were taking him out to, to lunch at this restaurant. And I, uh, I said, like, they came in. He introduced me. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm his roommate. Like, good times. And they're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to go out to, to lunch. And I was like, okay, cool. That sounds fine. And they said, why don't you come with us? And, you know, I'm a poor college kid. I've got, like, the meal plan. I'm like, oh, wow, like a real restaurant where there's good food? I'm in, right? So I said, okay, that's great. So we went out to this restaurant called Nympha's, which is in Waco, Texas. They have this dish called the Pachugas Alfonso. If you're ever in Waco, Texas, please eat the Pachugas Alfonso at Nympha's. Just trust me. It will do you right. Um, and so I went and I was like, you know, I'm still like, okay, I'm on a taco budget here. I just need to be real. And they were like, get anything you want. You want lobster, you get lobster. And I was like, I want pachugas, Alfonso. It's great. So I ordered this big dish and they're like, we got this. Treat yourself. I'm like, man, treat yourself. This is awesome. Like, it's great. Having this really good fellowship. And then at the very end, uh, my roommate's mom hands him like a hundred dollar bill. And he's like, she's like, you need spending money. You're in college. And I was like, that's a cool mom, right? That's just a great mom. And then she hands me a $100 bill. And she goes, you're his roommate, here's $100, you're basically family. And I, I, I just was like stunned, mouth open, like, what? This is awesome, but like, I'm, I'm searching for why. Like, you guys are from Columbia, is there a drug deal going on here? Because I've seen Narcos, I'm not really sure what's going on, right? I'm literally thinking this, but hey, but I don't say it, so I should get points for that, right? I don't say it, I'm just like, okay, like, what's going on, like, how does this work? And and I'll never forget, she says this, she said in Columbia you have this proverb, when it rains, everybody gets wet, right? And that's common grace. The reason good things happen to bad people is because good things happen to good people too. The reason bad things happen to good people is because bad things happen to bad people too. Suffering is constant for everybody. Everybody on earth experiences suffering. Everybody has a day where they wake up and they go outside in Orlando and there's a hurricane blowing through, right? Everybody experiences it. good people and bad people. Similarly, on those sunny days, right? You walk outside, there's the clouds in the sky, you're like, "Let's go to the beach." Everybody gets to benefit on that, right? Everybody, good people, bad people like. The reason good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people is because God applies His common grace liberally to everyone as this breadcrumb trail that's supposed to drive people back to Him. It's his evangelistic arm. OK? So that's the answer to that question. Malachi's not addressing it. I just want you to have it. We're just gonna set it to the side, write it down, take a picture, uh, it, 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 that, just, just file that away. Here's the real question that he's addressing first. Again, because remember there are two of them. It's why are evil people being rewarded? What seems like happening here is on this side are all the good people, and they're looking at all the evil people. They're going, these people are evil, and they're being rewarded with the things in life uh, that seem to matter why is that not happening to us okay specifically in this context there are probably three things that the evil people the people who are not following yahweh the people who are not uh, reading the old testament and organizing their lives around it right so these people are experiencing probably three things and there are three things we still want today they they have money they have sex and they have power they have money in the form of wealth maybe they're achieving it by dishonest means they have power they have responsibility they have authority and they have sex they have lots and lots of sex with many partners indiscriminately right they're just swinging and free and that's how it's going and all the people of god are going oh man i got to stick to one wife or i got to stick to one husband and this is just really terrible how come this these people are evil how come they get to have all of this fun right that's what they're asking it seems like god's having favor on all these people and what's interesting about this question and anytime you may be asking this question god why do evil people get rewarded with all these really good things realize here that this is ultimately a character issue this reveals a character problem going on in the people because here's what's happening what they're really saying if you if you track it out is I, let's take the issue of sex, I am choosing to express my sexuality within the covenant of marriage with just one person. I'm restricting my sexuality because this is what Yahweh told me to do. I'm only applying my sexuality to my wife, to my husband, right? Meanwhile, over here, all these people who don't follow Yahweh, they're just having sex with everybody, right? It's the guy who goes off to college and just kind of works his way through a sorority or a Girl goes off to college and works her way through a fraternity, right? And we have friends who do this, and we see them, and we're like, oh, I can't believe they're doing that. That's so terrible. And in the back of my mind, they're like, that's so terrible, but I wish I could join them, right? I wish that could be me, okay? And they're saying essentially this I am mad that I'm restricting my sexuality, and they're not, and they're having all that fun. I'm mad I don't get to have that fun. And here's what's happening when they say that. they're actu- What they're actually saying here is the reward they're getting is something I seek. I think their reward, I think what they're experiencing is good. In other words, I think a, a man having sex with a lot of different women indiscriminately is a good thing. How come a bad person gets to do that? I'm a good person over here. I'm reading the Bible. How come I can't just... You work my way through a sorority, right? I'm a good woman over here. How come I can't just work my way through a fraternity or the baseball team or whatever you do, right? How how come I can't do that? That seems like a good thing. It seems like God is blessing all these evil people with an ability to have sex with whoever they want. Do you see the problem here? Um, These people are defining a reward using evil categories. They're saying... This thing that God said is evil, I actually think is good and I'm mad that evil people get to do this thing here, which is ultimately evil, but I think is good. It reveals a character problem. These people still think that evil things are good. These Christian people, these people changed by the gospel, still believe that evil things are good. Let's just stop for a second here, right, and have a thought experiment. Let's suppose we have some friends. And if they're here today, don't bump them or point them out because that could be very socially awkward. Just be cool, right? And let's just say we have these friends who, who again, just work their way through sororities or whatever. And, and generally what happens in these types of situations is these people begin to brag about their exploits, either in public or on social media, right? And we all have those friends who, whenever you turn on Instagram, there's like a jillion stories and they update it every two or three hours, and you're like, dude, just let a 24-hour period go so that you can wipe those stories clean, but it never happens. They're snapping you all the time about all the fun they're having, right? Like, oh, I'm here. I was with this person. I was with this person, right? And anytime you meet them, they're like, oh, man, I had the craziest night last night. You'll never believe. We started with this, and right? And they work, right? And they're just constantly telling you everything that's going on. Or if it's not in the case of sex, they're saying, man, I have this new job. Man, I'm making all this money, and I'm buying all this stuff. You should get in on this job, too, because you can make all this money and buy all this stuff, right? They're constantly talking about it, they're posting about it, maybe they're in some kind of like, you know, club or multi-level marketing thing and they're talking about all the money they're making and they're talking about it all the time on social media. Or maybe they just have all this power and responsibility and they're flashing it everywhere. They're taking pictures of their new car or their new deal or what, right? And they're constantly posting about this, right? We look at that over here and we think, oh man, their life is so good. They're having money and sex and power. And I'm following Jesus, why doesn't he reward me with money and sex and power? And at no point do we think, maybe that's not a reward, right? Because even as believers, we're still buying into the world's categories of what's right. We're never at any point filtering that through the gospel and looking at it going, maybe these are not rewards, right? That's a character problem. And this is what's going on in Malachi. They're saying what is evil seems good, and then turning around and asking, why are evil people getting good things? It's revealing a heart problem with them. Let me just mention this as an aside, because I think what's, what's, uh, what a lot of people trip on here, especially people who are trying to follow Jesus, but still maybe thinking through the world's categories, is they still presume that the world's categories of what is good and fun is indeed good and fun. They haven't yet come to understand that that is actually uh, unhelpful, unhealthy, destructive, and evil. And just as by way of a you guys know who Jim Carrey is? He's an actor, mask. Okay. Do you guys remember him for Dumb and Dumber? Do you guys remember him for The Mask? Do you guys remember him for like one of his later movies, Mr. Whatever's Penguins or whatever that's called, right? No? Yeah, is that, is that the thing? You remember him mostly for that? How many of you remember Jim Carrey mostly for Dumb and Dumber? Okay, Christians, good, okay. How many of you remember him for some some other movie? Show of hands. Okay, how many of you have no idea who he is? Anybody have no idea who he is? Okay, Jim Carrey has this great quote. Uh, and here's what he says. Jim Carrey's net worth is somewhere in the hundreds of millions. Uh, at different points, he's been married to different swimsuit models. He has the money, he has the sex, he has the power, right? He has everything the world says is actually a reward. And here's this, this great quote in an interview uh, that stands out, he says, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of so that they will know that it's not the answer. He goes on in this interview to say, having money in my bank account doesn't help me get out of bed in the morning. Having money in my bank account doesn't help me um, have purpose in life. And if you've watched Jim Carrey over the last year, really, he's grown out his beard, and he's kind of moved into this philosopher he, he just mentions that his career of being famous has not exactly led him to the point he thought it would. And he's being honest about what Malachi is dealing with right here. What we think of as a reward, what the wor- world tells us as a re- reward, is actually not a reward. It's actually a pathway towards destruction. And what we're seeing as our friends just sleep around with everybody or chase after money or power or whatever, is actually these are evil people getting an evil reward. And Malachi is saying, it's time for the people of God to just start calling that out. Stop whining to God because evil people are getting evil things. Start coming to God saying, these evil people are getting evil things. God have mercy on their life, right? God have mercy. Quit being in Christ and wanting what the world wants. It's not going to give you what Christ has set up for you. Or maybe to put it succinctly like this in the case of social media, I want you to keep this in mind. People who have to brag about how great their lives are are only trying to convince themselves. People who have to brag about how great their lives are, post all the time on Instagram, Snapchat, all that stuff. Oftentimes, people who have to brag about how great their lives are are only trying to convince themselves. People who have a great life typically don't have to post post on social media or brag about things. You wanna know why? Because they know it. They know their life is great. When they go to the grand canyon they're not like i'm at the grand canyon look at the grand canyon look there's a giant crack on the in the in the you know floor right there and it just goes down right grand canyon oh grand canyon selfie right they're just like wow grand canyon is beautiful and they take it in and maybe they take a picture and they don't post it publicly they just go this is great right people who have to brag all the time about all the fun they're having are oftentimes trying to convince themselves which indicates it's ultimately not good in the first place it's not a good reward well As Malachi addresses that, he says, here's the reason why evil people um, are not being rewarded. Because those are the world's definitions of reward. And it's time for believers to realize they need to have a a heart change, a character change. And he's going to talk about the solution to that in a little bit. He addresses the second question next. When will evil people be punished? He says, where is God? Where is the God of justice? And when he asks, when will the evil people be punished, what, what he's revealing here is he's revealing a compassion problem a compassion problem so the first one's a character problem the second one's a compassion problem and by this what he's saying is um, you have the people over here trying to follow yahweh you have the people over here following themselves and just being sinful and the only thing that these people can see is how much fun they're having or they this person thinks they're having and he doesn't see that they're actually on a pathway towards destruction And all he can think about is himself, why can't I have fun like that? What he's missing is going, wait a second, these people are moving towards their own destruction. This is a compassion issue. They're not having compassion on these people, seeing them move towards destruction and saying, oh God, have mercy on them, can you save their soul? This is a compassion problem. And any time you're asking the question of injustice, specifically if you're comparing yourself to someone else, There may be a compassion issue. Instead of, again, seeing your friend as someone moving towards destruction, you're seeing someone moving towards a life you wish you had, and you're you're thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about them. And so as Malachi raises this question, he immediately, in in chapter 3, moves towards his solution to both of these problems. The solution to both these problems. God's answer is this. In verse 1, I'm sending Jesus. I'm sending Jesus. So notice what he says. This is a messianic text, meaning Malachi is seeing that somehow the Son of Man is going to come, and he's going to solve both of these problems. He says this, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Right? And it's really interesting, as he starts to talk about Jesus, he says Jesus is going to address the first question with a solution. And then he's going to address the second question with a solution. And here's what he says. Question number one, why are evil people being so rewarded? Again, reveals a character problem. Jesus says the solution to this is to bring refinement. He says he's going to bring the refiner's fire Uh, and the fuller soap and he's going to sit at verse 3 as a refiner and a purifier of silver he will purify the sons of levi that phrase the sons of levi is referring to the priesthood levi was the priesthood in the old testament and as we see this through the cross we understand that all christians are as alec mentioned a couple weeks ago all christians all members of the church are ministers we're all part of the priesthood right And so Jesus' first way he's going to, or the way he's going to deal with the first question, the question of character, is to address the character problems. He's going to refine them. He's going to bring about revival. He's going to revive people's hearts. He's going to align them around the gospel and make sure they understand that the world's categories don't get imported through the cross into our Christian worldview. I'll I'll give you kind of a a great illustration of this uh, after I take a drink of water. One of the first issues I ran into after I became a Christian, and at the time, I became a Christian on Alec's birthday, actually. So Alec Raquel was born the day I was reborn. It's a cool story. Um, and so this is 1997, and um, I became a Christian, and I had, like, this really great uh, CD collection of all of this music. Tupac, Biggie, Snoop, uh, you know, 311, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, uh, you know, all these things. Anyway, but I got saved at this really conservative independent fundamentalist baptist church right and so i remember like i'm talking to this one of the student ministry leaders and they're like hey we're gonna have a party and someone bring music i was like i'll bring music right and so like okay cool we have a cd player there because that's the only thing you know there's nothing digital at the time so i'm like cool so i bring in you know i'm like i'm putting in machiavelli tupac's kind of eponymous kind of album there and i put it in i turn it on i'm like yeah he gets through like his fourth f word and they're like pause right Uh, They're like, maybe we should listen to Christian music. And so they told me that what I needed to do in order to be a good Christian was to take all my CDs onto the front porch, grab a brick, and smash them, right? Because this was like a symbol of me following Jesus. It was like, you know, getting rid of all my secular music. And I was like, what's secular music? That sounds like a disease. What's going on? They're like, it's any music that's not Christian. And I was like, oh. And so I knew nothing about Christian music. And I was like, well, where do I hear some of this Christian music, Right. And so they sent me to the Lifeway store, uh, which I had to drive to in, in another town. So I go to the Lifeway store, and I'm like, hey, listen, apparently I'm not a good Christian yet because I like Tupac. So um, <laughs> can you guys do me a solid? Can you help me out or whatever? And they're like, yeah, we have just the thing for you. So they walk me over, and there's this chart. Like, no kidding. And they're like, and there's this chart. And it says, if you like Tupac, you'll love, and then they, they mention this guy, Antonius. And I'm like, Who is Antonius? They're like, oh, he's a Christian Tupac, and I was like, a a Christian Tupac? Like, is that a thing? Like, someone comes up out of the baptismal waters, ah, and God's like, you will be the Christian Tupac, right? (laughs) Yes, it will be great. Dear Mama now has a whole new meaning because it's going to be about Jesus, you know, Jesus's relationship with Mary. That's what it's all about, right? And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So like, I put in some Antonius, I put it on, and I was like, this is not Tupac, like. This is not even in the same stratosphere as Tupac. This is just like some guy in a random closet. Shout out to Antonius. Let me say this. The, the, moral st- or the, the, the end of the story is Antonius is now a commercial real estate developer in Austin. He's doing great things. Let me just say that. I know his distribution agent. He's a good guy. But at that time, he was, n- he was just, it was okay. It just wasn't Tupac, right? And so I was like, okay, guys, I, I think maybe we this chart doesn't work. Can you give me something else? They're like, okay, if you like Metallica, you'll love Switchfoot. And I was like... Oh, okay, cool. Who's this band, Switchfoot? They were, like, Christian at the time or whatever they were. And so, like, I put in their first album, and I was like, this is good. It's not Metallica, right? Like, there's just—and so I was like, you guys are 0 for 2. Let's try something else. Or like, you know, if you like Nirvana, then you'll like you know, whatever this band was. And I, like, listened to it. I'm like, it's not Nirvana. And I remember thinking, as a brand-new Christian, what we've done is we've taken the world's categories— and we've just imported them, we've slapped a Christian label on them, we're like, this is the same thing. And the problem here wasn't with the artists and their music, the problem is the way we think about them, right? And part of the refinement God wants to do is say, hey, stop trying to be the, the Christian version of the world. Stop trying to be the Christian version of the world, just be Christian, Right? Be Christian, and if you're gonna do that, you're probably gonna swim against the world a little bit. Let the Bible establish your own categories for your life, okay? God alone defines what's good and what's evil. You live by that. Those are the rules. If you wanna find happiness in this world, you gotta live by the biblical categories. Stop trying to put the Christian label on everything that's bad and hope that it becomes good because it's Christianized, right? Like, it just doesn't work like that. So so maybe this uh, statement here is helpful for you. You realize that only a human being can be redeemed, right? Like a building can't be redeemed. Okay, you can't redeem that space. You can't redeem music. You can't redeem art. It just is or it isn't, but a human being is the only thing that can be redeemed here. And so as a believer, you can't take the world's category, slap the Christian label on it hope, it, hope it's there. You What you need is a transformation from the inside out. And so what Malachi says is, uh, Jesus is gonna come and he's going to transform your character. Uh, like. Paul says in Romans 12, you're gonna have a renewing of your mind, and you're gonna begin to think with Christian categories in mind, so you no longer believe that an evil reward is actually a good reward. Right? This is the first thing he's gonna do. Second thing he's gonna do is this. He's gonna address the second question. And he's gonna uh again, the second question is when will evil be punished? It reveals a compassion problem, but Jesus is ultimately going to bring judgment. Judgment. So he says this: listen. I get it. Like, when is there going to be judgment? And, and Malachi says Jesus is ultimately going to bring judgment at the very end. When he decides to wrap all of this thing up, he's going to bring this judgment on, you know, people who pay unfair wages and people who are sexually immoral and these kind of things. He's going to do this. He's just going to bring this judgment at the very end. Why? Why is he delaying and bringing this judgment? Because God wants to have compassion on as many. He wants as many people to come in under this common grace and see who Jesus is, have an opportunity to pray to receive Christ, to come into a relationship with Jesus, have their minds transformed uh, by the Holy Spirit, move towards righteousness, move towards that, and have this full, satisfying life in Christ before he comes and wraps all this thing up. Because when God wraps this thing up, it's over. There's no more. We just had this Fourth of July party. You guys know this. America had another birthday. Like, shout out to America for your birthday. You look good, right? Right? Um, and we had this birthday party, and like my my kids were there and all their friends or whatever. And there just came this point where we said, "Hey, last time to jump in the pool," and they're like, "Okay." And they jumped in the pool, and then I said, "Okay, no more." And they're like, "Oh, so one more time?" I'm like, "No, no more." So we can slide in. No, you guys are not here. Like no more. So I'm having to physically grab my kids out of the pool. They're kicking and screaming. Ah! terrible, right? We take them inside, we, we towel them off, we do the bathing, we put them in bed, they're crying, we want to be outside, whatever. What are my kids struggling with there? The finality, it's over, party's over, swimming's over, it's done. Now that's just, that day is over, the sunset on that day, tomorrow there'll be another day, right? And my kids don't understand that, they think this is the end of the world. One day there's going to be an end of the world, right? Jesus is going to wrap all this thing up. And so I know we have these these feelings of injustice, but there's going to be a time and place where he wraps that up. The reason he doesn't do it today is because he still wants to give more time for people to believe in Jesus. It's unfair of God to just wrap everything up now, and everyone who doesn't believe in Jesus, they're, they're done for, right? He's trying to pr- provide a little more time, just a little more common grace to pull people towards the right way, pull people towards the path towards righteousness, so that he can bring people with him to heaven. And Malachi says that uh, in verse... Five, then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker and his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner. And do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Um, given all of this, I, w- I want to just kind of, I want to show you something in scripture. It's really interesting. So Malachi is writing this sometime in the 500 BC, maybe 400 BC era. He says, Jesus is going to come, and he's going to solve both issues. He's going to solve the character issue. He's going to solve uh, the compassion issue uh, by bringing judgment, right? And when, when, when we understand this idea of judgment, we're now going to have compassion. And man, when I saw, see somebody walking in air, I need to have compassion on them, because one day Jesus is going to wrap all this up, right? And so he says he's going to do both of those, and that's really nice. That's like a really nice promise, but what's really cool is that by the time we get to the New Testament, we see this happen. If you have the book of matthew uh, flip over to the book of matthew in chapter 5 jesus starts the sermon on the mount in matthew 5 we're going to start in verse 43 uh, if you don't have it it'll be on the screen for you so if you're just like you don't want to flip over you're lazy or whatever you're like ow ah, watching on the screen that's fine no judgment um, here, here's what he writes in matthew 5 or what matthew writes jesus says this matthew 5 43 you have heard it Uh, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Look, he's starting with the same problem. I love the good people. I hate the bad people. Why? Because of injustice, right? Jesus is the messenger, and watch what he does, verse 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why? Because he wants them to have compassion. So that, verse 45, you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. And notice his logic here. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. When it rains, everybody gets wet. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than the others? Do not even Gentiles do the same, but you therefore must be perfect in character as your heavenly father is perfect in character you've got perfection or you've got the character issue you've got the compassion issue both coming as solutions under the lordship of jesus that's incredible not only does malachi uh, predict that this is going to happen call it but jesus comes up and answers it perfectly one like one chapter later like we get but two chapters later, right? We get not even two chapters later, and Jesus is there taking care of it. It's just amazing how consistent Scripture is. Well, with that kind of nerd alert on display, I want to make some application points, and then I want to give us an opportunity to respond. What, what does all this mean for me? Okay, this is really deep, philosophical. Okay, whatever. What does this mean? Here's what I think this means. I think it means at least four things. Number one, I think we uh, we need to remember that the world is broken. We need to remember that the world is broken. It doesn't work like it's supposed to. Our brains, our our social being, our bodies, society, it it just doesn't work like it's supposed to. The weather doesn't work like it's supposed to, right? Why does it rain for an hour every day in Orlando, right? It ruins a good afternoon. Or if you like me, you like rain, why does it it not rain more in Orlando, right? Uh, Why does I-4 always break down, right? Why are there toll roads in Orlando? Why are there alligators in the water, like, and lizards, and snakes, and these kind of things? Like, why? Because the world is broken. Part of the issue that we have with the problem of injustice is we forget sometimes that the world is not as it should be. We're frustrated that it's not the ideal. We don't live in the ideal. We live in the broken. And it's going to affect not only the world around us, it's going to affect us as well. We're going to be the ones who tend towards sin, tend towards selfishness, Instead of moving towards God, it's broken. We've got to keep that in mind. Number two, we've got to remember that karma is not the gospel. Karma is not the gospel. I would love if karma is true. If you don't know what karma is, karma means if you do good things, you'll be rewarded with good things. If you do bad things, you're going to be rewarded with bad things. I would love if that was true. However, my, in my experience... Um, I've experienced that everybody experiences suffering, even good people. And if that's so, then that means karma is at minimum selective. And if karma is selective, why am I following karma again, right? Like, that means karma is even broken. The idea of karma doesn't work. I would love for it to work. If it did, that would be great. I would just mostly try to do good things, right? Because I'm, you know, I'm kind of broken. But it's not the gospel. Here's the gospel. The gospel says this. Whether you're good or bad, it doesn't matter. Because Jesus has done for you what you cannot do for yourself. No one can be good enough to earn good coming back to them. Everyone experiences suffering. Everyone falls. Everyone's broken. But despite this, Jesus still loves us lavishly. He gives us what we don't deserve, namely himself, redemption, and the process of sanctification. Even though we don't deserve it, Jesus does for us what we we cannot do for ourselves. That's not karma. That's actually good news. Karma is okay news, okay? The gospel is good news it's good news number three comparison we have to remember is the thief of joy comparison is the thief of joy one of the things that's getting the israelites into trouble here uh, in this part of malachi is their constant comparison of the evil people over here instead of just following jesus following yahweh at this time period they're constantly looking over going well hey look what those guys have why don't i have that hey god why don't i have that that's nice i know i have you that's okay well, why don't I have that, right? I mean, you're okay, but this is great, right? You're like that, that pass at Disney where I can only get in except for the blackout dates. They have the platinum pass, right? I want the platinum, can you be the platinum pass, right? The problem here is they're constantly comparing their lives to someone else, and they're reading through the lens of their own selfishness and self-absorbed ego instead of seeing things from God's perspective. Um, now, now, here's the thing. Here's what I'll tell you on this it's natural to compare your life to others it really is it's natural i'm not saying comparison is um i'm not saying comparison is wrong all the time i'm just saying it's defective you've got to keep that in mind comparison doesn't work so what i would recommend instead is to keep your glance on the world keep your gaze on god right God, I'm gonna gaze on you. I'm gonna gaze on you. These people over here are doing something—is that fun? I'm not sure, but I'm gonna keep my gaze on you. I'm gonna pursue you. Hey, they—they they seem like they're having more fun. God, is this—is this okay? What do you tell me? Because if you keep your glance on God, I mean, yeah, if you'll keep your uh, gaze on God and your glance on the world, then He's gonna tell you, hey, what they're doing. Actually, just watch this. Like, watch. Oh, see how that turned out bad? Yeah, I'm protecting you from that, and you're like, oh, big ups to you, God. Thank you for that. That was great, right? You can—it's okay to keep your 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 glance on your friends. Keep your gaze on God. Comparison's gonna kill your joy uh, if you uh, stay in it for too long. And finally, the fourth point is this. Keep in mind, Jesus says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. Uh, you know those shirts that say, I heart New York, right? Um, you can think about it like this, you heart your treasure, right? Or, maybe put it another way, whatever your treasure is, you're gonna treasure that. And the, the beautiful thing about God giving us freedom is we can We can describe our own treasure. Whatever we want to treasure, we'll end up treasuring. And anything you treasure, you're going to worship. And if you treasure evil things, you're going to long for evil things. And when evil people get evil things, you're going to go, hey, why can't I be like these people? And so I just want to remind you that uh, you're always going to treasure what you treasure. So keep your, your, your constant fix on Jesus as your treasure. You're going to find your heart there as well. You're going to find your satisfaction there as well.